Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why, well, why not? And today's what is a revisit of a forum that we here at Lou Reads the Internet for You love. And of course, that is drugs-forum. Now, of course, Drugs Forum is a place where you can go online to discuss your drug use, all kinds of drug use, drug growing, making, using, doing, whatevering. You can find it here. And it is a great active community of users who share their knowledge and discuss all their tips and tricks and whatever. And of course, if you're going to do deep research, first I recommend going to Erwood. But if you want to actually get some uh, chit-chat going back and forth, Drugs Forum is probably a much better resource. However, of course, as we will discover, although it is no longer a board practice to pretend to use these weird acronyms like SWIM or SWE, which stand for someone who isn't me or someone who isn't you, uh, in describing your drug use uh, is actually actively um, frowned upon now, people still do it and also they use weird you know, they basically people who are on this forum talk around their drug use um, by either referring to people by, you know, my dog or my Australian wombat or, you know, weird euphemisms for themselves while they're talking about their drug use. You know, and there's discussion back and forth on the forum whether or not this actually gives a person protection. Uh, if they're online and they're talking about doing drugs, would it stand up in court that you are not talking about drugs online? But for some reason, as you will see, some of the discussion is hard to follow because it is so uh, disjointed. Of course, some of the discussion is hard to follow because the people who are typing it, uh, as we will soon find out, are on drugs. Or they're just bad internet typers, which is also very common. So, today we'll be delving into just a very focused, a narrow beam of focus here on Drugs Forum. And that is in the Drugs Forum, Subforum, Drug Forums, Subforum Amphetamine, Subforum Methamphetamine. And of course, Two years ago, I did a podcast about crystal meth, and that was mostly about the sexual side. But this is more of an educational podcast about crystal meth. So let's get right into this episode of Lou Reads the Internet for You, Methamphetamine Information. So the first thread we'll read is in the amphetamine subform methamphetamine under the heading culture in a thread started by Silvermember Obsessed entitled Tips for New Quote-Unquote Recreational Meth Users. And it goes like this. Here are a few suggestions for someone who is new at doing methamphetamine. No, this is not a thread trying to convince you not to use meth. Of course, it's a bad idea, but obviously you know that already. Most of these tips are about 80% to 99% true for everybody. I made this thread to let new users what to expect and find out some stuff that I wish I would have learned before I started. What to expect. 1. Expect to start using more often than you plan on. Approximately 95% of people convince themselves, quote-unquote, I'm just experimenting with it. Then after a while, they have gone to, quote-unquote, I'm doing it every once in a while. Once in a while almost always increases to a regular basis, maybe not every day, but monthly, weekly, or sometimes daily. Don't assume that you are the 5% that won't increase their usage. 2. Expect your parents and loved ones to find out eventually. Most likely you will convince yourself that you won't use often enough for anyone to find out, but as I said before, 95% of the time you will, and 95% of the time your parents and loved ones will find out. 3. Expect your sober friends to find out because once you start using, even from the beginning, your mind will get preoccupied with it. And the more you use, the more you will think about it. If your friends don't find out, it's probably because either you found a new group of friends, brackets who use, or your friends are very unobservant and not very bright. 
Four, expect a lot of random people to find out you are, quote unquote, a tweaker if anyone but you knows, and even if you only use once a month. In a sober environment and sober social circles, word will travel fast once somebody in the circle is, quote unquote, a tweaker. What to avoid? Avoid getting other friends, brackets, friends, lovers, family, acquaintances, anybody to try the drug. Once you let someone try it who has never done meth, you are planting a seed which may or may not sprout. Don't assume that since you're the only one they know who can get it, that you're going to have control over their intake, because you won't. Eventually, they will find someone else who can get it, and then it's too late. You may never see that person again, and if you do, you might not like what you see. This is very important. You could change someone's life immensely by doing this. Not their life either, the lives of all the people who love them as well. 2. Avoid losing all of your sober, brackets, or not heavy drug using friends. Because once you do, you most likely, brackets not always, will be left with less than faithful or trustworthy, quote-unquote, friends. It's good to have at least one sober friend because everyone else is preoccupied with the drug. 3. Avoid the needle if you can. Intravenously injecting methamphetamine is a wild different game than any other mode of ingestion. Same ballpark, but different game. Once you try it this way, it most often becomes your favorite way of doing it. A lot of people think they can try shooting up once, but I'll go as far as to say 99% of people who say that do it more than once. Most of the time, your problems will get worse, money will go faster, physical and mental repercussions from using meth will accelerate much faster. You will become very at risk for diseases you weren't at risk for to begin with, like hepatitis C, brackets, which 90% of IV users are infected with, hepatitis B and A, HIV, etc. Shooting up will make your problems worse. 4. Avoid stealing from anyone, but mostly important. <laughs> 4. Avoid stealing from anyone, but most importantly, your family. Many meth addicts end up stealing from people they love. I've done it. It's very common. You may be thinking right now that you never would. Well, down the road, after you're good and addicted, it can. The reason you want to avoid stealing from your family over anyone else is that when you're in jail or in the hospital or homeless, your family are the ones who are going to be more likely to visit you, take care of you, and help you because they love you more than any of your using buddies do. What they have is real love. Respect that and don't do them wrong like so many other people do. There's some information I wish I would have been told or believed and took to heart. Most of you won't. A lot of you already know it, but it still won't listen, and that's just how it is. I know a few people are going to disagree with some of the things I say and how often they happen, but I never said all of these things will happen to everyone, but 95% of the time, a lot of these things do. So please be careful. And Beautiful Brilliance writes, Thank you for the message. Swim started quote-unquote playing with meth about three weeks ago and has already noticed the thoughts of the drug taking up a lot of her time. The frequency and amount needed just to feel quote-unquote awake are already dramatically increased as well. The problem has officially presented itself, yet it took seeing this thread to bring the message home and slap her across the face with the burning end of the pipe. The very idea of people knowing what she has been doing terrifies her and seeing this post sincerely hit home. No sooner that she finished reading this post, Swim decided that she is not willing to accept the risks associated no matter how much she likes that quote-unquote disconnected feeling meth gives her from her pains. Swim will be having a birthday tomorrow, and though it may very well take every last fiber of her being, she is determined to bring it in without the fears of being quote-unquote find out hanging on her mind. Thank you again. And Methylman251 writes, 
Good post with some helpful tips, but I am curious as to where you got that 95% statistic from. I don't doubt for a second that it isn't a very high percentage, but it's also dependent on many other things. Brackets, availability, and even if it's available, how much effort it takes to get, and the price when you initially start off. If you're trying just once for the first time with the compulsion to get it again, isn't as bad when you've been using for a while because the physiological dependency isn't there yet. I totally agree with the don't let other people try it though. I know of addicts who would get it for people once, and if they want more, end up ripping them off both in weight and price just so they can get a free couple of hits. I wouldn't let a friend try it, and in circumstances like this, I like to quote something my cousin once told me, brackets, ironically, before he gave me a very addictive drug. Quote unquote, once you've had it, you can't go back to not having had it. This is especially true of both meth and heroin, and it's true more than once. Brackets. Once it's been snorted, you can't go back to not having felt that. Once you've smoked it, you can't go back to not having that rush. Once you've IV'd it, you can never go back. I do have one more question about the OP. What time scale are you talking? Months slash seasons slash years? And Molly replies, the quote-unquote 95% statistic probably came from personal observation and experience. Why must you be so critical? He is simply trying to portray a very realistic image for people who are thinking about trying meth based on how he sees it. I don't think he needs real statistics backing him up. And Methylman251 replies, then why use 95%? It could actually do the opposite and take away from his real observations. Brackets, I am completely aware that the rest of the observations are true, but it is the easiest example. If one part isn't true, then what's to say none of it is? And Molly replies, yes, it probably would add to his credibility, but this is a forum, not a research article. I don't think anyone intends on reading what he says as 100% fact, but rather strong words of advice. Hence the words, quote-unquote, tips in the title, quote-unquote, tips for the new quote-unquote, recreational meth users. You're being far more critical than the average person. And Shanthi adds, I am so grateful for this community. And all of you who bear their hearts and give lonely beginners like my friend, brackets, in a way, some direction, and maybe hope to. You see, my friend has been smoking pot every day, brackets, several times a day, for about 10 years now. She has also been using acid, MDMA, slash crystal meth, Brackets, I don't know what it is she finds. The stuff is sometimes colorless crystals, sometimes pinkish crystals, ecstasy pills and cocaine during short 10-day long festivals, and holidays twice a year. Even talking, writing, or thinking about it makes her whole body to jerk and shiver with goosebumps all over. But she never has the guts to do anything other than pot all alone in her house with no company or party. She doesn't visit downtown clubs and doesn't have friends who use or doesn't even understand smoking pot, so she is compelled to live with her habit alone. Now the reason I talk about all this in this thread is because she was holding some crystals for a while once, but never took even a look at it. Even when she was out of stock of weed and bad in need of some mental occupation, she didn't dare use the crystals. I think in her mind, she believes she will not know what it will do to her when she isn't in a party with some many others like her losing their minds and gaining their souls. I really do want to understand if crystals are what you are referring to as meth or if it is something else. Is the effect of these two different brackets? Is one a thought invoking slash suppressing drug and the other a physical upper? What does one do when they take meth alone in the house? Listen to music? sit and stare, write, sing, make love, talk, cry, what do they do? I'm sorry if this wasn't the right place for this post. And Beautiful Brilliance writes again, Just an update for now. I haven't touched meth for three or four days, and so far I'm not having any cravings. I've kept all traces of meth out of my home and have been very guarded about my visitors. I think it helps that I have a nasty cough, and the idea of even smoking a cig sends me into spasms of oxygen-lacking fits. I'm going to definitely hang out at home and take care of myself with my limited interactions outside of the forums and will continue to play with my oh-so-addicting bubble-breaker game 
while taking everything moment to moment. Thank you guys for being the most reliable source of information I have come across thus far. When actively quote unquote playing, I could always look at these pages for information that helped me stay safe as possible. Brackets considering all factors, and when choosing to do things differently, I find no condemnation or malice. I just wish that the people that live outside of these forums on this laptops were half as honest with themselves and others as the people I have seen here. And we skip to the end of the thread with midlifer adding. My cousin's friend started smoking meth at the beginning of August this year, planning to just try it once. It's turned into every single weekend since, and then last week nearly every day. This weekend she was up for about 70 hours and was starting to hallucinate a little bit. Saw traces around her hand, heard low conversations where she couldn't make out the words, but there was no one else around, and one that she said reminded her of an LSD experience. She smoked a little weed to help her get to sleep, and the smoke she blew out was totally trippy. Had complex designs all through it and was very compelling. Now it's been over 20 24 hours since no meth and she still has sore bumps on her tongue, feels dehydrated and so tired, even though she got hours of sleep. Also feeling a little depressed and anxious, and just not quite herself. Although she has enjoyed hanging out with her brother so much, brackets he has the connections, and meeting all the crazy interesting people that make up this world, and staying awake for all hours of the night, she thinks she'd better stay away from it. At least she says she knows what all the hype has been about. And we'll skip from that thread to another thread in the methamphetamine subform that is marked as experiences. And again, the OP is Silvermember Obsessed, who writes in a thread they entitled Introducing Meth to Friends, Loved Ones, and Strangers. And it goes like this. Swim started this thread because this subject is very emotional and personal to him. Swim hopes that someone will read this experience before they get someone high for their first time. It could really change a life. Swim hopes other people with similar experiences will share theirs. I know this can be a very emotional topic, but if Swim and others can save one life, it will be worth it. When Swim started using meth, he was 18, and the first of his group to try it. Something about the drug made Swim want to share the experience with his friends. The drug does this to most people that use it. Swim didn't do it thinking he or his friends would become addicts. He did it because he thought it was fun to do. He wanted them to join in the quote-unquote fun he was having to introduce them to an exciting experience. Swim smoked with his friend quote-unquote Pepsi and quote-unquote Coke. It was their first time and it was great quote-unquote fun. Swim and his friends were all relatively good kids at the time, just out of high school, nice kids whose only problem was at the time they were experimenting with drugs. Fast forward. Coke. Swim and Coke had a falling out not too long after that. Coke developed an attitude problem and started stealing from his family to afford drugs, which he wasn't getting from Swim. He found someone who could supply him, brackets like everyone who gets a taste for it will. Coke had a baby with a girlfriend who was naive and basically his hostage. A year passes and, and Coke has been arrested over the past two years for theft, trespassing, violations, theft, and theft. Coke's girlfriend eventually puts her foot down about the drug use around their daughter and he assaults her and gets charged with, <laughs> and gets charged with strangulation, coercion, and battery. After all the abuse, his girlfriend takes him back and once again he gets arrested for strangulation, coercion, battery, and child endangerment. Coke is now serving a five-year sentence and the mentality he has gained ever since he started using meth is destined to get him a lot more in the future. Pepsi Pepsi and Swim were best friends. When everyone else went their separate ways, they remained close. Pepsi and Swim hung out every day doing dope, scoring dope, selling dope, stealing, pitching on dope, and that continued for years. Pepsi caught a burglary charge and was put on probation. Before that, he was in and out of jail all the time for misdemeanors, but this was a felony. Swim was surely no help to Pepsi when Pepsi needed to stay clean and report to his probation officer. Pepsi went to jail several times for not checking in with his PO and dirty UAs. Pepsi's mother was suffering very much because of Pepsi's actions. She was tormented by Pepsi's disregard for safety and authority. Eventually, after too many dirty UAs, Pepsi was sent to prison, where he is right now, being assaulted and extorted constantly, all because of the things he did when on the drug. 
All these stories haunt Swim. The next story is one that haunts Swim the most. It's about the mother of Swim's child and how she got addicted to meth. We refer to her as Shasta. Swim and Shasta lived together in an apartment with their newborn child. Swim was using meth, quote-unquote, secretly, but she often caught him being high. Shasta expressed a desire to try meth, and Swim agreed because he didn't think he really had that much of a problem, and Swim thought that he would always be around to moderate how much he did, make sure she got enough sleep, and make sure she didn't do anything crazy. Swim and Shasta used together for a couple of months until they began fighting, breaking windows, punching walls, screaming, and getting high all the time. Swim realized that he had created an unsafe situation and convinced Shasta to allow his mother to take custody of their son until they could get stable. After Swim's son was out of the house, the fighting got worse to the point that Swim had to leave. Shasta had a job, and it was her apartment, so she stayed. Shasta refused to let Swim visit for months. She was barely visiting her son at Swim's mother's, but eventually Shasta invited Swim over. Swim went over. Shasta got him high. She had a bunch of meth and seemed to have a steady hookup. She was skinnier and wanted nothing romantic to do with Swim. Later, Swim found out Shasta, age 19, is dating a 46-year-old meth dealer. Things got worse. <laughs> Good. Later, Swim found out Shasta, age 19, is dating a 46-year-old meth dealer. Things got worse. As the months went by, she got skinnier. She went from 160 to 98 pounds in six months. She only wants to visit her child a couple of times a month and has no desire to raise children. She is now in and out of jail and still with her old man. She used to be a very smart, sweet skater girl that was a bit mischievous. Now she is underweight, has no hobbies besides using and selling meth. She has a child with the 46-year-old also, and she plays video poker. Swim has so much regret over the lives he influenced into taking paths of destruction. Swim himself is in recovery and doing really good, and now lives home with his only son and a girlfriend who loves him very much. Every day he remembers the part he played in these people's lives, and it really hurts. He just hopes one day some of these people's lives will get turned around for the better. I have introduced even more people to this drug and others than I posted here today. Enough to where I don't have time to post all their stories and what I did. But for anyone who is new to using, please don't bring others down with you. If you have read this all, I sincerely thank you for reading. I know it was a lot. And dope fromiads. I hate the person who gave me my first line, and I'm no better than them. I got two of my buddies to start doing it with me. One of them now is permanently schizo... Oh, brother. Okay. I hate the person who gave me my first line, and I'm no better than them. I got two of my buddies to start doing it with Mimi. One is now permanently chiropractic and a ward of the state after six months of use. His brother committed suicide during a come down a few years later. My best friend since childhood. I used an infinite amount more than them for nine plus more years than they did and all I got was a couple prison stints. I was clean for six years after all that and strayed using again two weeks ago and I didn't again. My buddies were already using this time but I brought over a pack of needles and they've been IVing ever since. Although they did IV themselves as if that makes it any better while meth has for sure changed your friends. At least they are still alive. I wish my buddy was just in prison. I'd like to think it's not entirely our fault. We were on drugs, right? But you know as well as I, if it weren't for us, those people most likely would never have started. And Canadian Bacon ads. I respectfully disagree. I think anyone who is willing to try meth is going to end up being presented many opportunities to try it. Hypothetically, if you or the OP never offered meth to your friends, I'm sure your friends would have come across it sooner or later. Meth has a way of finding people who want to try it. That is my opinion anyway. You can't blame yourself, and you don't know what would have happened had you not offered them. It's like the butterfly effect. Maybe if you hadn't offered them meth, their life could have somehow ended up worse or better. You never know, but things happen the way they happened, and neither of you ever held a gun to anyone's head. People need to learn how to accept responsibility for their own actions. Everything these days comes down to liability 
liability. It's ridiculous. You should expect your friends to blame themselves for getting into meth, as I'm sure they blame themselves. Also, I'm sorry to hear about your friend and his brother and the afflictions meth has brought you, truly. Why do you hate the person who gave you your first line? Here's what happened. They gave you an option to try an addictive drug and have a good time. Assuming you were a smart person, surely you would have known the dangers of meth, at least as much as an average person does. They also offered you an option not to try it. Then what happened next is important. You decided of your own free will to try it. How can that be any less 100% your responsibility and zero anyone else's? The decision comes down to you. You have the final say. Sure, he presented the opportunity, but that doesn't magically disable your free will. People make choices, and I think copying the excuse that someone else influenced your free will is something humanity has for some reason taken a shine to. Humans have been known to make big mistakes in their life. Everyone does it one point or another. Why can't people accept what they do? If you didn't want to try the meth, you wouldn't have. But you did. One can almost see it as a favor. He presented you with something you desired at the time. Maybe if he pretended it was another drug, that it wasn't all addictive or something sneaky like that. But from what I read, he just offered it to you. Meth had a big negative impact on your life, and I'm sorry for that, man. But that's sort of what meth's known for. After he offered it to you, you could have quit whenever you wanted to. Easier said than done, I know. But you did fall prey to meth addiction, and there is only one person to blame for that. It happens. Meth is hella addicting. I smoke this stuff for a living. That's my opinion, though, and it may be a little obscure, tongue sticking out emoticon, but any mistake I've made in the past, I blame myself for. People are so quick to blame others for their problems these days, yet everyone has free will. Ultimately, you tried meth because you wanted to try it, not because it was offered to you. Again, that's just the way I think. I got my first bag from a person, I lit the lighter, I inhaled my first hit, I held in my first hit, I exhaled my first hit, and I loved my first hit. And Monkey Spanker adds, Obsessed, I've been following your threads. First off, you get kudos for asking what you have in recent threads. Then the disturbing part sets in. You have a child, a son who needs you to look up to and grow up using you as a reference. Your posting history suggests that you are not a model father. Sorry if that sounds harsh, but come on, dude. This is your son. What are you showing him? Nothing good, bro. Not even close to being a caring parent. Quote, unquote, punching walls, kicking shit, shouting, and God knows what else you're not telling us. I've heard this crap from too many friends and had my share of it myself over the years. I'm not able to express how bad I feel for you right now. This is the internet. All we have to go on is what you tell us and what you said ain't pretty, dude. Please expound. And Obsessed replies, The kicking and punching walls and screaming happened years ago when he was one. I feel bad about it, but I haven't done anything like that in the past year and a half. So don't be worried. Everything is good. To all of you who say it's okay to give drugs to someone because they're going to find it anyways, does that mean it's perfectly okay to just go around getting as much people high for the first time based on the idea that it's okay? I'm curious because if you get a bunch of people high, then maybe some of them would have tried it, but there are probably a few that wouldn't have. And Dope For Me replies again, That's shady. I still blame the dude partially. I was like 14. I didn't know what meth was. It was just speed back then but it was definitely my choice to keep getting more. IDK, no point in dwelling on it, I guess. My new hatred is for my doc. Finally got health insurance for the first time a few months ago. I had occasionally social anxiety attacks, so he gave me Ativan to take as needed. Had a bad attack one day and took two and they didn't help. So then he doubles the MG and tells me to take it every day till fine for a couple of months. After one month, I decided to stop taking them and Dan near ended up in the ER unnecessary addiction, and I wasn't informed properly. I bet doctors have caused way more addictions than we have. And the reputation of comment for this post is, please use sentences and paragraphs. It makes posts easier to read. And that is because it is a giant run-on sentence with ellipses instead of uh, periods. And the last post we'll read in this thread is from Kind Banana, who writes, Hi all, A-F-O-A-F, which stands for a friend of a friend's. 
that's the worst. AFOAF's daughter will never see him smoke. If AFOAF wants a binge, his wife and daughter go away from him for three days. Because AFOAF loves them a lot, this makes him limit his binges. That is okay for him, maybe even good for him. Definitely good for his family. It is only a FOAF's opinion, but in life shit happens, and it happens to everybody. The hardest thing in life is turning a negative into a positive. Sometimes a FOAF can, and sometimes a FOAF cannot. But a FOAF always tries. A FOAF will never introduce anything to anybody. A FOAF is addicted to being kind to folks. A FOAF always uses in weekends at home, locked in his private room. A FOAF knows in his heart that one day he has to leave his family and live on his own. And a FOAF will when a FOAF's daughter is older. Because a FOAF loves her and he has to do that. A FOAF has friends that suffered terrible trauma, mental and physical, including addiction, etc. Now a FOAF friend has stopped and become the best counselor you could ever meet. In my eyes, a FOAF friend is a man amongst men. Maybe the guy who started the post can become a wonderful drug counselor. A FOAF, not preaching to anyone, just a FOAF's idea, okay? If a FOAF could reach through the computer screen, I would give that guy a serious hug. I would. A FOAF is not qualified to give advice to anybody about anything, but a FOAF could give you my love and understanding in an awesome hug that would make your ears go red. Respect, a FOAF. And we'll move from that thread to a new thread in the methamphetamine subforum addiction subforum entitled, I am so unproud of myself now by silver member Canadian Bacon. And it goes like this. Hello, everyone. So, if you read my big confession thread from six months ago that has recently resurfaced, you will know that I share an open relationship with my father in terms of meth use. If you also read my 10 Meth Commandments thread, you would know that I believe that when my addiction starts to affect the ones around me is when I feel I have gone too far. Tonight, I have broken fundamental rules. I woke up today at about 9 p.m. I'm not too sure how long I've slept or how long I was up before I went to bed, but it's all a big blur. I suspect I was out for more than 24 hours, though. Then again, it could have been 5 hours or 60 hours, and I can't work out the difference. When I woke up, I had the worst craving for meth I've had in a long time and I know that I'm also flat broke. Something else that I do know, though, is that my dad, right now, isn't broke. So what do I do? Basically, I start swearing to myself, muttering under my breath, I swear louder and louder, fuck me, fuck me, like a maniac. I start throwing things around my room, smashing things. Finally, my father comes to inquire about my rampage. I tell him that my problem is meth. It's the fucking meth. I know my dad hates seeing me like this, but do I care? Nope. I'm a heartless loser of a meth addict. He offers me some comforting words, which do nothing for me, and retreats back to his room. From there, I continue my temper tantrum. Quote, unquote, fuck my life, fuck the world. Finally, my dad comes back in and is a little bit angry now. He tells me to settle down. Upon refusal, he gets very upset and retreats back to his room. At this point, I'm craving so bad I just break down. I'm crying, swearing, punching shit, breaking things. Truly a meth addict nightmare. Which actually isn't so much a nightmare as it is a meth addict reality. The whole time, I know exactly what I'm doing. I have a motive. Finally, after some more time passes, my dad walks into my room and says, quote unquote, fucking phone her. Like a weak groveling fool with tears and rage in my face, I pick up the phone and dial my dealer. She doesn't answer. More rage ensues. Quote unquote, fucking bitch, pick up the fucking phone. After realizing my failed attempt to reach my dealer, brackets, who by the way, I really don't think of as a bitch, she's a good person and a friend of mine. My father calls up one of his dealers. Since it's two at night, he can't go to his regular guy in Surrey. He has to call a backup guy way over in Delta. 
He does manage to get a hold of the guy in Delta. I would have went to meet the guy, but we only have one car right now and it's a standard and I do not know how to drive a standard. So on the way out the door, my dad says in a very unimpressed tone, quote unquote, be back in an hour. Before he left, I managed to force out a measly, quote unquote, dad, I'm sorry, to which he replied, quote unquote, that's not good enough, now hang tight. So right now, my dad should be back in 20 minutes or so with the meth for me that he paid for and drove all the way to Delta to get because I freaked out like a baby and guilt-tripped him into getting it for me. I feel like a total piece of shit, but at the same time, I feel great knowing I shall be high soon. I have never done anything like this before to get meth. In the process of my tantrum, I believe I elbowed something quite hard. I forget what it was, but whatever it is, I think I have a small fracture around my elbow. I can barely move it and it hurts like hell, but I don't even care. That's the least of my worries. If anyone wants to comment on this, feel free. If anyone wants to say my father shouldn't be enabling me or that my father shouldn't be giving in or contributing to my meth addiction, fuck off. And don't you dare say a fucking word about him. I'm the fucking piece of shit here. I'm the one with the major problem. My father is 100% a good man with a good heart. Make my father drive all over town, possibly have broken my elbow, and act like a complete child just to get high. I don't want to quit, but maybe I should start thinking about checking myself into a clinic. Canada offers free rehab programs, which is a blessing I should take advantage of. Saying this, I know I'm not going to check myself in, but just thinking about it is maybe a step in the right direction for me. It could be years before I go to rehab, but if I ever do, today was the first step towards that day no matter how far away it is. I truly hate myself at this moment. Normally, I have strong self-esteem. Overall, I know this was out of character for me, and I still love myself as a person. I just made a great mistake tonight. I love my father more than anything. Not because he's going to get me meth, but because he loves me so much and is simply too kind to have it in his heart to let me suffer all night long. Fuck, I screwed up my right elbow too. My strumming arm! How the fuck am I supposed to play guitar now? So stupid. So fucking stupid. Fuck. Fuck. And MIB915 writes, Damn, homie. No disrespect, but when you find yourself in this situation, you need to man the fuck up and realize the party's over and stop acting like a child. I believe everything happens for a reason, you know. What if you run out and the next hit you would have taken would have been the one to kill you? I respect the hell out of your father for doing what he did. He saw his son in agony and did his best to make it better, no matter what the cost. My big brother, brackets RIP, did the same thing for me when I was 15 and fiending for some blow. So I've been there. But yeah, bro, grow the fuck up. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. And KitKat84 writes, Wow, if I was your father, I would have never gone and gotten you meth. What is it with parents? And the reputation comment for this post is, adds nothing to the thread. And dope for me adds, in the final post of the thread, bottom line, no one quits until they are ready. And the final thread we'll read from this subforum of Drugs Forum is by user member Mr. Balls in a thread he entitled, Smoking Meth Around Dogs Slash Other Pets Risks? And it goes like this. As this is my first thread, my apologies in advance if I break any rules. Please let me know if I commit any major quote-unquote no-nos so that I can get better at using this site. Thanks and on to the point. I have a particular acquaintance that I am spending more and more time around as the days go by due to coincidental living situations. And they have many peculiar habits that are unique to say the least, but are bearable. However, the one frequent action that concerns me most is that they smoke meth several times a day, just as one might drink coffee or soda. No problemo, except for one thing. My dog, Ralpho, who is a Westie, brackets, West High Land White Terrier, a small white breed, must breathe air the same as myself and said acquaintance. I'm just wondering if there's any chance that dogs might be able to inhale meth fumes. Granted, there is usually an open window. However, the room in which the fumes is in is not the biggest, about the size of a normal non-master bedroom in a low-end middle-class house or average apartment. 
My other concern is Ralpho loves to sniff around and eat things off the ground, like you would expect of most dogs. My other question is, should I be worried about Ralpho perhaps finding a small piece of meth on the ground, or perhaps a small amount of powder slash residue and becoming intoxicated, and perhaps going into cardiac arrest? Any info on this matter would be greatly appreciated, as it would kill me if something bad would happen to Ralpho. My only current preventative measures are excessive cleaning and vacuuming, as well as emphasizing to set acquaintance to be careful not to drop anything. Thanks. And Equitube writes, My Little Pony is no certified expert, only having done meth for a few years, although his love of speedy substances goes back decades. He begs forgiveness for ignorance, but isn't the quote-unquote smoke actually a gaseous form of the substance and not a particulate matter or product of combustion? It's been a few years since he had first-year chem at university. He does find it fascinating that the substance can be quote-unquote smoked nearly everywhere, even homes with non-smokers or public places, without causing a quote-unquote stink, so to speak. He now tells me he'd like to find weed that does that. Tails up, Equitube. And Mr. Balls replies, LOL, I'm afraid that question is a little beyond me. My raccoon really hasn't put enough thought into it. You could be right, but I know it's not the same as vapor. I want to say it's smoke because my raccoon accidentally gets tobacco inside the pipe from his pocket. Brackets, I buy my raccoon clothes. The tobacco will combust into smoke, so I figure it's smoke. Haha, <laughs> I couldn't be sure on that one. Now my raccoon does know that if the lighter is held there too long, it will catch fire from overheating. That's pure combustion right there. And Cabin Blade writes, I've been wondering the same thing at certain times, as I like to keep exotic pets. Things like scorpions, snakes, tarantulas, etc. Unless you're blowing it directly on them, I really don't think there's any chance of it affecting them. And Jay Hall adds, The flaming rainbow would suggest keeping pets in a separate, ventilated area, and that you maintain good airflow in general. Never know when there will be a knock on the door you can't avoid. He doesn't feel there is much of a danger in small contact doses, though he would be much more concerned about ingesting pieces that have fallen on the ground. I have quoted the following information. You may find it useful. Original link is located here. And it is a link about interesting information about crystal meth. But the only part I will quote is toxic dose, Death has been noted with the ingestion of 0.59 milligrams of methamphetamine per pound of body weight. That would be quite a lot of crystal meth to eat. So, what did you think? I know it was probably hard to pay attention while you were cooking up all that meth. Did you run out and try the meth or make your friends try it? Are you listening to this podcast while you are actually cooking up meth? If so, please let me know. That would be really fascinating. A coincidence. I have never tried meth. I don't plan to. Much like the um, person said. Although I've never been offered crystal meth. But I can tell you I would say, no thank you. Uh, yeah, I think I've only been offered cocaine once. And I also said no thank you. Which was a windfall for the people who I was with. Who said yes please. And took the cocaine I did not take. So... That was quite an experience, though. <laughs> Watching all those guys do the coke in a weird coke dealer's place. It was presented in a lovely fashion on a paper plate. And we were all given our own straws, which I said no thank you to. And I just thought it was very funny. That, it was, the, that was the end of the night for us. We, they did the coke, and then we all went our separate ways and had to be at work in the morning. And I was like, if I had done this coke, I would now have to go home to my mother and then girlfriend and be like hey what's up everybody i'm feeling great let's talk why are you guys going to bed it's 11 o'clock why is the i avoided that problem <laughs> anyway all right well i don't want to dilly dally too long just the usual 
Thank you for liking the Facebook page as people have been doing, and thank you for all for writing the iTunes reviews. I really love seeing them when they pop up there and appreciate them. Let me know what you think of this episode. As always, if you are going to buy something on Amazon, please consider just going to Lou Reads and clicking through the banner that I have right there near the top, and I will get a pittance of that money. But Christmas is coming, and I know people are going to be buying stuff, so why not throw me some pennies? It helps support the podcast and makes me feel good about myself, which is important these days. Other than that, not a whole lot going on. I've been playing too much League of Legends, which is a gigantic waste of time, but fun. If you want to play me in League of Legends, send me an email. I'm terrible, but uh, it's fun. So Anyway, I'm going to wrap this episode up so I can call my dealer and get him to deliver some crystal meth. Wait, that's not true. Or is it? Uh, if it was true, I'd probably make more podcasts. <laughs> this has been Lou Reads, the Internet for You. Crystal Meth Information Podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.